Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watch Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Nolan and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. After the Germans surround the Allies in northern France, the British evacuate their soldiers from Dunkirk Beach using all available vessels. Yes, and as we have been doing in recent episodes, we'll do a quick spoiler-free section up front and then get into more spoilery discussions. So, Katie, should people see Dunkirk? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't watch Dunkirk. It's um, it's a really well-made movie. It's really well put together. If you like war movies, you're definitely going to get a lot out of it. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, and it's shot really beautifully. Mm. Um it looks really good. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I had some problems with it, but yeah, it's, I think it's worth seeing. Hmm. Um, so, I love this movie. I'm utterly surprised with myself because uh, I hadn't liked Interstellar at all and I'd sort of been going off Christopher Nolan a little bit in recent times, but I completely I, – I think I, uh, I was immersed by it. I think I've talked to a few people in the week or so since we've seen it and people are either really immersed by it or find it immersive – or they don't, and I'm in the immersive camp, and so I loved it. I mean, I've got some, like, I love war movies, I like history. I, I kind of, I think I'm the right audience for this, so I kind of enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, I'm surprising. I love this. Yes, people should see it. I think it's really good. It's really well made, and I would probably argue Christopher Nolan's best film um, okay. for mine. Uh, so, Yeah. That's our spoiler-free recommendation. So we're going to go talk spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the film um, Dunkirk and you want to, uh, turn off the podcast now and come back when you have. Okay. So the issue, major issue that I had with Dunkirk is there's no characterization in this movie. None of the characters get any development. They We know nothing about any of them. Like we know a little bit about some of them, I suppose, um, mostly Mark Rylance and his little crew on the boat. Mm. Um, for instance, we know George is a teenager. We know his name is George. and um, He's the friend of Mark Rylance's son. <laughs> yes, and he is eager to help. Um, Mark Rylance is also eager to help. His son seems to be sort of along for the ride. <laughs> And that's about it. And that's about the most that we get for anybody. The most we get for the three people that we watch the whole time on the beach at Dunkirk is they all want to live. Yeah. Um. Nobody has names. I mean, the characters have names. In the credits, you will see that the characters have names. But as you will have noticed by Katie talking about Mark Rylance, his son, and George, <laughs> George is the only character who really anyone ever uh, mentions their name. No, I think there's like a couple of them. The, no, the Scottish guy who kind James of looks Darcy's like... James Darcy's character gets a name Oh, yeah, James point. Darcy's character gets a name. The, um, the Scottish guy who looks like a cross between Simon Pegg and the lead guy on Once Upon a oh, Time. The not Tom Hardy Spitfire pilot. Yes, that guy. Yep. He says Tom Hardy's character's name a bunch of times. Right. And I thought he was saying fire. And I was like, why is he calling him Fire? Is it short for Spitfire? That's right. weird. But it's actually Farrier. It's oh. just because of the accent and the yelling that I yeah, thought yeah. it was Fire. And I was, I just thought, yes, yeah. <laughs> I just thought he was Tom Hardy. Yeah. Um, which is, so I, I spent most of the movie thinking about Harry Styles and the other two. Yeah, um, on the beach. On the beach. Uh, even though Finn Whitehead, who's, who is sort of nominally our lead, because he's he's the one we follow from the start. And he meets up with a guy who... Well, seeing as we're in the spoiler section, I just called him Frenchie the whole yeah. time. Um, but no, uh, not the whole time because we didn't know he was well, French until no, late in the movie. Until Harry Styles figured it out because Harry Styles' character is very smart. And yeah, he's, he's the only smart gorgeous one. Gorgeous But blue this is the thing is that that guy, I knew that guy wasn't English. 
right? right? He doesn't talk. See, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I knew something was. I I didn't even necessarily pick up that something was weird about him. I just kind of was like, really, nobody they talks. don't talk. Well, but. Finn barely talks either. But Harry Styles talks. Harry Styles talks. So that makes a point of, dif- a point but I of thought difference that between. That was because Harry Styles is supposed to be. I, I think they cast Harry Styles very deliberately because the audience either would recognize him or he's because of his. Because he is so quite so charismatic and sort of fun, he would carry it a little bit. So yeah. I just kind of was like. I knew something was weird about him, to be fair, because we first meet him when Finn Whitehead's character has gone to take shit on the beach and this guy has been – well, we think he's, we can see he's stolen the boots off a dead body that's half buried in the sand. Um, and he instead of kind of being like, hey, get away from here, there's bodies buried or whatever, he's just like – he sort of looks at him and Finn's character helps him a little bit. And then we don't see him again and then suddenly Finn's character is trying to get on a boat and this guy shows up and helps him carry a stretcher. So I, the, I knew no, there was something they, they wrong. they were together, weren't they, up, up until that point? But maybe. They sort of just follow each other yeah, around like just follow, for the rest of the He just follows Finn, like as though Finn knows where he's going, even though Finn's tried a couple of different lines no, and been told off. Even that's not entirely true because like Finn does that, but then also he will then follow the French guy and then they, they sort of do a back yeah. and forth with following each I mean, other there was around. Something, I don't know. There was something about him, but I, I didn't honestly didn't figure out that he was French until – Harry Styles points it out. I was like, oh, I my was God, like, of course. I, I Also, okay, here's another thing that made me think he might be a spy. The beginning of the movie says the mole, and I didn't know that was the mm. name of the bridge. I think you'd have to be a history oh, person. Which bridge? It's the name of that, br- that, that long deck that goes oh. out. It's called the mole. I did not know that. Right. It just says the mole, and then it says, what, one week or whatever it is. I and forgot you're like, what what's the mole? And then I was like, oh, I get it. He must be a mole. He must be a mole. Yeah. So I was like, maybe he's a German spy. And then I was like, no, he's definitely helping Finn way too – Finn, the main character, way too well, much. I think we're just going to call him Finn because it, technically in the credits he's Tommy, but uh, nobody I calls him that. Nobody calls movie, him yeah. that. So I think Finn is perfectly fine because that's the actor's name. Um, and, yeah. and Harry is definitely Harry. I don't actually, I never actually looked up what his character name no, is. No, I didn't either. But, yeah, so Finn um, – he, he helps Finn and saves his life too many times to, like – be a German spy because you're like, well, why would yeah. he do that? There's no point to that. So I was like, but I still thought there was something, something off wrong. about him. I was like, yeah. maybe he's trying to defect. Maybe he's actually French. I sort of thought the French thing later on when we saw a lot of the French getting screwed over by the English. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, maybe he's French. But I knew that, that he wasn't English for yeah. a really long time. And um, Harry also figured that out. And it, yeah, I thought that was pretty obvious. But yeah, but I did. I liked Finn. I liked the way the opening scene worked. There's an opening sort of 10 minutes where Finn and his little b- brigade basically are caught up in an ambush in the town presumably the town of dunkirk and um they get shot at and he's the only one who survives i liked that until i realized that was what the whole film was gonna be like <laughs> i liked that because i was like oh this is this is really cool we don't know which of these characters we're gonna stick with and it looks really great and it's this really interesting look at what a town is actually like in a war and then i was like oh we're never going to find out anything see, about this character. This is the whole oh, movie. Okay. See, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love that we've been dropped in and I don't know who's going to make it. And I mean, in the end, all but one of our favorites makes it. Um, oh, sorry. Frenchie dies as well. But you, yeah. he dies in such a way as that I didn't actually realize he died until we got to the end and Finn started speaking. And I realized it was him and not the other brown haired guy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just really confusing like it's it's such a mess of a movie to try and figure out who is alive and who's dead and who the characters are and anything like that finn is so um bland 
that he could be any of them. And I think that's deliberate. But yeah, at the same time, if there's... The biggest problem with this for me is that there's no emotional impact of any of this on me, if that's the case, right? Like, you have to make me care about the characters so I can live vicariously through them in this situation. I have to see them feeling scared or upset. I have to care about whether or not they get home, all of that sort of stuff for me to care about these. Like, as far as I was concerned, they're all just ciphers. And that doesn't do anything for me. It made the whole movie kind of an intellectual exercise, but I didn't really have any strong emotions during this movie. Yeah, okay. Whereas what for whatever reason it worked on me and I felt like I was one of them. I felt like I was there, like I could be there, even though I have never been a teenage boy or a soldier or in the war. I just felt like I could be there. And so it actually worked on that sort of gut level for me. So it, I was extremely anxious anytime anybody went down below under a deck anywhere because I'm like, oh, God, this could end badly. You could drown. Yeah, but that's the thing is that, yeah, I knew that could happen. I was intellectually thinking, oh, if they do this, yeah, they could drown. I was and thinking I could drown. But you're not. I, I know. <laughs> I know. But for whatever reason, his stupid 3D IMAX idea of this movie, which, oh, I, I mean, Christopher Nolan doesn't do 3D, but he did make this for IMAX. And that kind of immersive thrill ride stuff, it was why I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's and it had nothing how to do it, it with doesn't work on me the at characters. All. Um, it doesn't work I mean, on me at there all. Were, obviously, there were some good characters. Um, were there? Well, th- there were some people who I liked and wanted to be around. Of Mark Rylance's character, I liked being around him and his son and his and George, obviously. And I, I poor George. That's that's the George. other character who doesn't make it to yeah. the end. Poor George. Spoilers. He's our only real favorite who who dies. Um, but oh, like you sort of see James Darcy, and he he's an officer, but he's not super high ranking. But he's in charge of this whole thing. And, and Kenneth then Branagh, Kenny Branagh's yeah. admiral shows up and. Um, who was apparently a real historical figure who really did stay till the end and see over, oversee the evacuation of the French and that, whatnot. He was one of the better characters yeah. as well, actually, because we got to see some stuff about him as a character. Mm. He had to make tough decisions. Yeah. Um, he was uh, he was answering to his higher-ups but also trying to make decisions on the beach while lots of people were dying. Yeah. And he tried to do things that were right, but sometimes doing the right thing meant that some people had to die and it was mm. tough for him and it was yeah. interesting. And he, yeah. And I, I thought he was really good because the one of the first things that happens is that the ship that they're loading up at the start that everybody's in so keen to get on, it becomes immediately obvious that it's under attack and it's going to sink. And so he has to let it go from the pier or wherever yeah, he is. The mole. The mole. He, he makes the decision knowing that it's going to go down. And so Harry Styles and a couple of his mates – jump off because they see what's happening mm-hmm. and then Finn and Frenchie rescue them and so then they're all like buddies for the rest of the time and they try and work out how to get themselves off this island um but kind of the- and then Harry Styles has his like big betrayal moment where he betrays um the Frenchman he, and yeah, Finn he, well he re- realizes he's the the Frenchman um, and tells everybody makes me um think of characters like Edmund from um oh okay from Narnia which is where you're like yeah he didn't do the right thing but he's also the only ca- character now in this movie that I care about because he did something. Yeah. And, it, well, he's also one of the few of uh, – he's probably the only of those young men who's got a character. Mm. He's actually – you can see his motivations. You can see certain characteristics about him. Like he's And to be fair, the guy was kind of lying to them the whole yeah, time. He's so you bright. can see why he'd be angry. Yeah, he's bright. He's cagey. He's patriotic. He thinks about military strategy. Like at yep. the end, he's – the only one who's going, this is going to be a disaster. The public are going to hate us. And he's wrong. He's absolutely wrong because 
the public have Winston Churchill in charge and Winston Churchill is given a very stirring speech that is read by Finn Whitehead just sort of over the end of the film. Um, and so the public, you know, the P- PR war has been won, but he's the only one of them who ever thinks about the broader strategy other than, you know, some of the officers. But of the officers, all we, who the only ones we really know are Kenneth Branagh, who is clearly really high up. Like he's the admiral, he's the highest ranking person. And then James Darcy, who's relatively low ranked, and kind of really stressed because he's got like, what is it, 300, 400,000 men yeah. that he's trying Even to get home. And then you see, like, he's not really a character either, though. He's just a guy in that situation. Like, mm. there's nothing about James Darcy that I could tell you about his character. Almost any guy in that situation would be in, probably in a fairly similar kind of, you know. Bind. Bind. He's yeah. just not. It's It just frustrates me because I don't, if, if I don't like know them i don't care if they live or die if i don't know them they're just bodies on the beach and it's like i intellectually i'm like oh yes it's sad lots of people died in the war right and i'm like oh look this shot is so pretty like the the aerial stunts are amazing the aerial Those, shots are incredible fire stuff like i could barely hear any of what tom hardy or scottish pilot or the first pilot said to one another or any of the dialogue in the whole movie, unless yeah. it's on Mark Rylance's boat. Yeah, and the, yeah, and because there is basically none. It's grunts and whatnot. It, you know, very basic. Like we've got to go here, or let's do this kind of dialogue. But that's the Spitfire stuff, um, which is on a different. It's all on three different timescales too, because it's Christopher Nolan. So we've got to muck around with the timescales. The beach is over a week. The boat is over a day, and the Spitfires are over an hour, mm. um, which you don't figure out straight away. But then you start. It does tell you. It, do, it tells you at the start, but you only really figure it out when you start seeing like different times of day, and you re, and oh. and you, and you realize. No, I figured that people, out when it went a week a day, and then it said an hour under the Spitfire, and I was like, "Oh, that's what's happening. This is all right." I so I didn't pull it. I I knew that it had said that, and I was like, "Uh huh, cool," but I didn't pull it together when all this was ha- like you. The timelines converge at yeah. one point, and I think you it's see them converge about halfway. I was thinking through. about it more, yeah, and yeah, and so the. Obviously, I, I, I like. I have a real soft spot for Mark Rylance. He just seems like this genuinely nice person, and I think that's why they cast him in this role because mm. he just seems like a decent guy who do the right thing. Well, that's why like they cast him in Richard Spies as well. Um, yeah, and um, but the Spitfires, even though I really wasn't hearing a lot of what they were saying to each other, apart from like it was obvious that they were low on fuel. And this is cam- <laughs> there's this vocal cameo from Michael Caine who asks them all how much fuel they've got just Check as they're leaving fuel tank. Yeah, or Chekhov's fuel gauge, where they talk about how his <gasps> fuel gauge, Tom Hardy's fuel you. gauge, goes out right at the beginning all week about the Chekhov's thing. Because at first, every time you said it, I've actually assumed in my head that you meant either Schrodinger's or Pavlov, but you're no, not. You I, mean Chekhov? So what do you mean by Chekhov's thing? Chekhov's gun. If oh, okay. <laughs> if there's a gun in Act One of a play, it's going to go off in Act Two. Oh, okay. I didn't. That's that's the theory behind Chekhov's gun, right? right. So I just, it's a yeah. Chekhov the playwright thing. Yeah, right. So I really hate Chekhov and think he's incredibly boring. So that's fine, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a whole like right. it's a theatre movie thing, which is why yeah. I assumed you knew what it was. No, um, I didn't. I well, I get, figured it out from context in that you know things that show up will go off later. But yes. I just in my head, I really was like Schrodinger's fuel gauge, and then I was like because you never know whether it's full or empty, but. 
Um, no, no, that's no. why when I talked about, I've talked about it in other things as well, where I was talking about like Chekhov's gun, like literally Chekhov's gun in The Beguiled, mm. when there's a gun that shows up at the beginning well, of the movie. Well, there's also Chekhov's mushrooms and yes, yeah, yeah. that sort of in thing. In that movie. No, anyway, right, sorry, so I, any- just, I just, yeah, I'd been thinking about it all week and I was like, I've realized I've been thinking the wrong thing. But I, 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 knew, I could tell from context, but I also didn't actually know what it was. Okay. Um, so there you, there you go. And also, if you needed an explanation, listeners. Um, but yeah, so sorry, back to the Spitfires. So yeah, we get like random Michael Caine at the beginning, ask them how much fuel they have mm. on deck. And so then there's a whole plot around Tom Hardy's fuel gauge stops working like five minutes in. And he's he's got to work out how much fuel he has based on what the other two are telling him about their fuel gauges and how much time has passed. He's really good in this movie. Mm. Like in spite of the fact that I knew literally nothing about that character except that he's heroic, mm. I was still rooting for Tom Hardy in this movie just by sheer force of will of it well, being Tom Hardy. Those, it was so amazing. Like obviously Spitfires have their own cultural baggage and they're obviously something that particularly British people are very proud of. But those planes were gorgeous. They mm. were flown for real. These were shot and flown for real. They were up in the air and you could tell. Mm. You could tell this was – It looks so good. Yeah. you could. T- like, there's a little bit at the end I think where he's landing on the beach that looks a l- like it was CG assisted, but the vast majority of the aerial stuff was shot for real and, God, it looked good. Mm. And you that was the only time where I kind of felt, I think, the thing that you were talking about where you feel like you're up in the air. Yeah. Um, there's also some- – But even then, like <laughs> – I felt like I was up in the air and it was kind of exhilarating, but it didn't make me care. Yeah. I, I was just like, oh, it's cool. The, the other cool thing they did with the Hans Zimmer score, which for once in its life didn't annoy me, in a, it in a Christopher me. Nolan movie, they had like the noise, the Spitfire whining the engines. You could hear the whine of the engines. It, it reminded of the score. me of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Star Wars, when we went to see, um, I think when we went to see Rogue One, I commented on how like the different sounds of the um, the – TIE Fighters mm. and the X-Wings um, make you feel different things. And, yeah, and yeah. the sound design on Star Wars is so brilliant. But I actually wonder whether it might have been influenced by Spitfires and things like that. It's Spitfires and, and whatever the German planes were, Messerschmitts or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because they sound different and you can tell. Yeah. And, like, and, I mean, they do hang a lantern on it because they have Mark Rylance explain to the boys that that's, a, that's what a Spitfire sounds like and that's the German, you know. But – I yeah I I think that's exactly what it was. That was one of the scenes I really didn't like, and I think this is the thing: is that when there is dialogue, it's also really not good. It's like cheesy. That was, yeah, that was like cheesy and patriotic. Yeah, and that's and, the thing I think is the problem is that Christopher Nolan's not a good writer. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize this when we first recorded this podcast because yeah. I've heard stuff since then. Yeah, I've, I'm, my, my opinions have changed a little bit in the week. Um, anyway. Well, no, I think it's not so much that my opinion has changed, but I realized one of the things that I didn't like. Ah, right. Like one of the reasons why it was so hard for me to get into the characters was because when they did speak, it wasn't very good. Yeah. And then when they didn't speak, I couldn't get into it. Uh. So like it, it really never, it never grabbed me. I never cared about anybody. I just couldn't. I, I enjoyed watching the movie, but I didn't feel it the way that I could tell that they wanted me to feel it. I mm. could tell the score wanted me to feel it because that score was working overtime to try and make this movie work. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like, I mean, I don't tend to like the big Wurm scores that Hans, <laughs> Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan are responsible for um, with Inception. Mm. 
Whereas in Inception, it kind of works for me because I know the plot reasoning behind what they did there. Yeah. Because they did the, um, is it not La Vie en Rose? What is it? Um, yeah. Oh, um, Oh, uh, je ne regrette yeah. So, um, they have that, and then in the, um, like it's slowed down a million times mm-hmm. in the dreamlands, and I like that. But, like, now they do that for everything. <laughs> I get frustrated. I didn't mind the score on this, but it was too loud. I couldn't hear what was going on. I don't like when I can't hear what's going on because I'm already distanced enough from the movie. I want to be able to know what's happening in yeah. it. Whereas for me, because the immersion worked, the score worked. Um, so because if oh when the, when the um British came in yeah <laughs> the score just swells oh I so that that's what like having had like we've had to record this podcast again just because of an audio problem and so we've had a week between when we first saw this and when we're talking now and we talked about it a couple and of we've times. talked about it and we've seen and we've also heard from other people so there's more baggage I think this time or we've sort of got more ideas the patriotic side of it kind of bugs me. A little, uh, oh, it bugs me a lot because it got to me even though I didn't want it to, but it's so, it's very, it's sort of a fundamentally fairly conservative sort of idea. Because the patriotism doesn't actually bother me. Like, I, I don't, I don't mind if a film is patriotic if it earns it to a certain extent. This well, movie yeah. didn't undersell the bad things that the British did to the French. It's true, yeah. Um, it, it didn't sort of make every single British person a hero. Mm. Um, and when it did go patriotic, it did it in a way that I think it kind of earned. So I don't really have a problem with the patriotism of this movie. It's an English movie. It's for English people. They did a good job at Dunkirk. Yeah. I think I feel like it's kind of earned. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and I don't. It is. I mean, I've and seen it in American movies where I I really hate it and I don't mind it sometimes. Like there's, there's two yeah, different and, sides. Yeah, and at to least that. I think. Yeah, and it, you are right. It does feel earned, and it does. It, it but it also do, does touch on some very. Like it, it touches on some things that that there's a lot of cultural baggage attached to, like your Churchill and your Dunkirk and all that kind of stuff. I and I think it wouldn't have minded more of it. Yeah, and I and I didn't mind it, but I think it also taps into my sort of English white person heritage. Yeah, and so I don't know how this would feel if you were watching this and you didn't have that background, or if you were an English person who you know isn't like all the white Anglican looking people that they show. You know, I I don't. So I I sort of. Even I though I have it that worked, attachment in even that though way. it worked on me, I, I do also kind of feel a bit like it was, um, you know, very much made for Christopher Nolan by Christopher Nolan for people yeah. like Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I, well, that that I felt that more in the sense that I didn't know what was going on, and you sort of have to have an implied knowledge of Dunkirk well, to yeah. watch this movie. And I just want a little bit of information. It doesn't take much, but the amount of inferred knowledge in this movie is huge. It's really And it's big. not just about, like, it's about Dunkirk, it's about what happened in history, it's about the characters that you have to assume knowledge about them. Yep. Like, you have to basically just care about the British people to care about the movies, the people yeah. in this movie. So, and I think they're almost playing on that with the Anur and Bernard stuff, like the, um, the French guy. Um, yeah, who's actually Welsh. Is he? The actor's Welsh, yeah. He's got to be French background Anya and with Barnard. That. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, hang on, I'll look him up. There you go. I know, I looked him up later because I was like, that's such a that French-looking like name. a French name. But he is Welsh. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So, and you're in Barnard then. Um, with his stuff, 
Um, I think they were almost playing on that. Mm. Like they made you care about him because you assumed he was British or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And that was weird when I think about it that way um, afterwards. But yeah, I just don't... I don't know. It could have almost done with more of that because then at least I would have known how I'm supposed yeah. to feel. Oh, I would have because f- that's the thing is that I don't – It's the movie's not giving me anything to feel or care about for right. me apart from like, oh, it's so exhilarating to be up in the plane. Oh, it's so scary to be in the boat. But it's only scary for me intellectually. It's not actually genuinely scary. Right. Whereas I was genuinely scared. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to run out of fuel. He's going to have to dump into the ocean. He's going to – but – all, you had you, that with gravity and I didn't yeah, have that with I had gravity that, either. Yeah, this is right. And so this but, is why I didn't like gravity as much as you because I was terrified through most of gravity. <laughs> Whereas this one, I'm terrified, but I also feel like I'm meant to be terrified because I'm at war. Although that said... That's interesting because you're meant to be terrified in gravity, surely. Yeah, but it also, it means I'm, I just wanted it to be over. Whereas in this one, I didn't want it to be over. Oh, well, I mean, I, I wanted it to be resolved, but I also like... It's, there's, there's, the, the way the tension builds, especially when... The boys are in the boat. So J- Harry, just before and after Harry Styles has revealed our, f- our oh, secret Frenchman. I thought also you happening- the George death bit. Well, but that's all happening at the same time. <laughs> the boys in the boat no, is no, not very specific. At, but, all, but that's actually happening though at the same time that George is dying and also um, the sec- the Scottish pilot is is dropping from the sky and they're rescuing the Scottish pilot. Um, that kind of freaked me out. That all the- happens at once. And that is like, that was oh, my God. filling up with water. Yeah. It's really funny, too, because I was watching that Scottish pilot in this movie. And I, I've forgotten his name again. Jack something. D- Lord Loudon. I want to say Lorton or Loudon. One Lorden, of those. Loudon. Something like I think. that. I think we're both wrong and it's like Lorden or something like that. Um, that guy. Loudon. Lis- Jack Loudon. Loudon. Okay. Um, he was in um, a movie that we saw recently, which was Not Belle. The other one. Beauty and the Beast? No, the same director as Belle. No, oh, the movie, oh, the black, oh, um, uh, Amarasanti, oh, United, uh, United Kingdom. Kingdom. <laughs> I got there eventually. Um, so he was in that movie and the whole movie I was thinking, oh, I know that guy. And then when I watched this movie, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I oh, I know like, that guy. Oh, I know that guy. And the, I'd never seen him in anything before United Kingdom, but I also didn't recognize him from a United Kingdom in this. I was just like, oh, I've seen he's, him before. He's, he's like sort on of TV like or something. Scottish everyman. Um, he's quite cute. I quite like him. Yeah. He's quite charismatic. Um, I believed the relationship between him and Tom Hardy, even though they never have a scene together, which is interesting. Mm. Um, I think that's on the strength of the actors. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly not on the strength of the characterization. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have to do that because... The, I mean, the whole Flyboys thing, you know, because the flying in spit, flying Spitfires is so dangerous. And- yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't matter for this movie. They have to show us that and tell us that in the movie. And you for only us see it because it. the two you you know the two of them how the two of them talk to one another. Yes, and they don't mm. give us anything else. You don't even there's not even a story. Hey, you remember when we did this thing yeah. or anything? I, there's nothing I, to I think it's into. I always kind of liked the, the that I had to work for this. I like I. Because I enjoyed well, that makes the me experience. Sound lazy. No, I know it, but and I didn't know a lot of things. Like afterwards, I had to go and look up when Dunkirk happened, and if certain things were true. But I also kind of liked, yeah, and that's why I don't want to say work for it because it it does make it sound a bit, that makes me sound like it is a bit snobby. But but also that's what Christopher Nolan does in his yeah. movies. He does. He's not interested in making things accessible in any 
anyway, right down to the fact that he shoots on film, right down to the fact that he I like thinks that he shoots Netflix on film. I is lowbrow. He, but none of those. That's, I don't think that's fair. But, but none of I those love the things. Shooting on film. Yeah, I love how his films look, and the shooting on film is Netflix cool. Netflix is lowbrow. But God, it's. But he is a snob. He's a massive snob, and he is not interested in making things accessible to people. Yeah. And I think. Part of that That's is interesting to me. And part of not making things accessible is not even telling you what bloody year you're in. Yeah, that's interesting to me because, like, Inception was, I think it was supposed to come off smarter than the movie actually is. Yeah. Which is probably why it's my favorite one of his movies because it's actually really accessible. It's really easy to understand Inception. Mm. Once you get your head around the basic idea of it, it's super easy and it's fun and it has cute characters yeah, I, and I, cute interactions like, you know, Tom Hardy and, and again, Tom Hardy is just great. Um, him, he and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have like two scenes together and really sell that movie, you know. Yeah, I really like that movie too. Yeah, it's really it's fun. fun. That's my favourite Christopher Nolan if, uh, if we're keeping score. Um, but this movie just, it, I don't even know if it's that he didn't want to make it, it accessible. I don't th- know if he knows how to because mm. all of his other movies were written by other people. That and is true. And I don't true. know if he knows how to write a character that people will care about. I think he just puts actors in the role and hopes. Yeah, and he, and his strength is not in the writing. His strength is in the visuals and making it look good. and, and Which is fine, yeah. but it just doesn't mean that like this yeah, movie I, is being lauded and I'm like, but it's missing basic storytelling, stru- like basic storytelling conceits for me that make yeah. a movie work. Um, yeah. And yeah, okay, you know, movies are different and these things are different, but it doesn't work for me when I don't care about anybody. Yeah, no, that, I, that's fair enough. And I'm among those lauding it because this is one of my favourite movies of 2017. We so- saw Moonlight in 2017. Yeah, but Moonlight's a, Moonlight's, Moonlight's a twi- <laughs> but Moonlight is a 2016 film. It's a 2016 release, so Moonlight can safely stay as one of the best of 2016. I didn't know before I said it that I'd said that last week. It was only not after. Just, you didn't, not only did you say it last week, you said it on the radio as well when we talked about it on radio. Because <laughs> um, so- I can't. I can't. Go, yes, Dunkirk is as good as Moonlight. Like, that's just, like, in my head, I'm like, no. Right, right. And I actually was thinking about that this week. And I I realized something. Dunkirk and Moonlight are sort of opposites in a lot of ways. (laughs) Because Moonlight is literally all about uh, humanizing one person. And yeah. putting you in the shoes of one person. Like, it's completely about the characterization of Chiron and then to it, like, to a certain extent, Kevin yeah. as an extension of that. But it's all about, and, and for me, I'm like, oh, yes, I am in Chiron's shoes. I feel everything that he's feeling. Mm. I, and the movie gives you all of that. And it works it gives, very hard to do that for it, you. Yeah, exactly. And it's fantastic and it's beautiful it's also quite well shot and it looks good and stuff Mm. um and i think there's a lot like i just think moonlight is pretty much perfect in every way but it's kind of the opposite of dunkirk because dunkirk gives you none of that and moonlight is all about that and so Mm. for me i'm like oh yeah i care so much about chiron and what happens to him right yeah yeah um and that's also down to performance and things because then when we saw um is it girlhood I didn't yeah. feel that because the girl wasn't as good. No. And boyhood was the same thing. I didn't feel that partly because the boy wasn't as good. Yep. Um, and it comes down to a lot of different things around that as well. Um, and a lot of that is like, you know, technical and all that sort of stuff. But Moonlight gives you that so effectively that I was totally immersed yeah. and in that world. So, And here's where I'm – and 
and so there's a little bit of laziness on Nolan's part here because he's just assuming that the audience will empathize with <laughs> a pretty 18 year old white man which mm. like these are basically these boys are basically teenagers so he's just decided that we will definitely be able to empathize with these characters without having to put any work into that and like and it's worked on me it hasn't on others whereas moonlight is all about building empathy for mm. these characters that yeah i mean i still of i this and the beguiled which we saw last week mm. are like my two standouts of the year so far i mean it's only it's not even the end of july yet so. yeah it's hard for me because we did see twi- like moonlight was the first movie i saw this year and this year has been so much better for movies than last year true true and yet i still haven't seen anything that even comes close to moonlight for me but mm. like to put moonlight in 2016 then <laughs> nothing can you like nothing can like come within 10 miles but of nothing moonlight. did come close and the, no. i think the reason so, i firmly put it in 2016 is because it won the oscar for 2016 mm. and so yeah and, and fair and like in such dramatic style and so well deservedly and we saw it so like early in 2017 as well. Mm, it was our to, first movie of the year. Yeah, to think of it as a 2016 movie makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, it's just that like because that is kind of like the bar that's been set for this year. Mm. Everything else is not going to be able to beat that. But mm. yeah, um, we're getting but, off track. But for me, yeah, no, I genuinely um, just. I, I like I I can recognize that it has it's a bit like um the beguiled actually I can recognize that it has problems mm. but I still just thought it was so it good. has some similar problems actually yeah in yeah the whole like this movie I could kind of see trying to have some diversity we saw some black people in the background yeah the French soldiers had uh, there were African soldiers in, among them there were two whole women with lines <laughs> um yeah one <laughs> in a, a war nurse movie. and a woman on a boat <laughs> sorry in a war movie that's not Pearl Harbor um yeah. Yeah, that, but well, yes. Yeah, so there was no distracting romantic subplot. Great, but yeah, you know what I would uh, only I, two <laughs> only two women with lines, and, and b- both of them only had one. Uh, one woman had a line that was like oh, she had like three lines because she was the nurse directing them where to go on the boat. So she'd say mm. things like "Put on a coat, my lovely," and mm. so she had maybe three lines, and then the other woman like literally called out the name of the town she'd come from. Yeah, and that was it. That's there's you could like what like 10 words 20 words yeah but said it was by interesting women. that there were boats like with women on them and we didn't get to be on one of them that's true there were boats with women on them some of them wearing completely impractical shoes for boating <laughs> there's one you see at the end and you're like you know that they've done it done this shot so that you know there was a woman on the boat because she's wearing like a not a pencil skirt but like a, a skirt and heels i'm like mm. standing on top of a boat standing on there's the deck no of railings. a boat there's nothing she's, you know yeah she's like sailed you know, that afternoon from England to France and that's what she's wearing out on the boat. And and it just smacks of like, uh, there were women on these boats, so we should make sure that the audience can see that there were women on these boats by dressing them in a stereotypically 1940s feminine fashion. Yes. Um, But yeah, um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, Sorry, about the women and their 10 lines. No, there was something specifically that I was going to say that I – oh, no, about the love interest. You said there's no distracting – Oh, there's no distracting um, romantic subplot. I'm like, I'm all for a distracting romantic subplot in Finn. (laughs) In a movie that only has, you know, men in a a war movie. That'd be great. Um, And there's some – I know there'll be be Harry Styles fans um, and I think I'm starting to develop a Harry Styles problem myself, but I know there'll be Harry Styles fans who ship him and Finn. He was really good in this. I know. Like he – he definitely well, outacted the, the, some of the yeah, other minor well, roles. And the thing is, he, Finn Whitehead's only on his second movie as well. Like, mm. ha, this is Harry Styles' first movie, but he's got a lot of ex- – he's 
been out the front of a rock band for five <laughs> years. It's not like he doesn't have, you know, charisma and an ability to work with an audience. But he and all didn't that. just but rely he, on that. No. He actually acted, which was really and, impressive. And they cut off all his hair and they covered up all his tattoos. And, like, he, he sort of, he didn't, you know, he still was obviously, like, the best looking of those boys and he was clearly charismatic. But, like, I don't know about the... Mm. He did really well, but and then and like Finn Whitehead, who is a you know ostensible lead, he, he's not much more experienced himself. Well, he's also not very good in this, and I don't know if it's a him thing or if it's an underwritten character or whatever it is. But he just, I didn't care. From there's a there's a point in the movie where there's somebody burning in the water, and there's somebody being dragged alongside the boat that Mark yeah, Rylance is in. Why we have no and idea? We who have it is. no idea which one of those two is Finn Whitehead, and it's on purpose. And you're like. No, this is our main character. You haven't earned the right for us to not know this and be worried about him. Yeah, because also we've just seen Frenchie drown and and we're we're, we're watching Frenchie drown. I I didn't quite – well, I wasn't sure who it was, if it was him or No, because I knew it because Harry – this is the thing. Is another problem that I have with this movie. Um, So Harry Styles has this big moment where he betrays Finn and Frenchie and then um, the boat is sinking. They're trying to plug it up, but they can't. And Harry turns around to Frenchie and says, we're getting off or whatever it is that he says. Yes. Right? So he says, we're we're escaping. We're leaving the boat. Let's go. And then – Frenchie drowns. Yeah. He can't make it to the ladder in time, but Harry does. And that is a weird moment because it means that they're trying to do a redemption moment for Harry, but he doesn't really get one and he doesn't really earn it, right? Like, Mm. because he doesn't try and save the French guy and he doesn't, he sort of, it's like a Mm. half-hearted redemption moment that isn't really one. And we don't really know what's happening, as clearly evidenced by the fact that you didn't even know that the French yeah, guy well, was drowning. I, and I, well, I wasn't sure because then seconds later, somebody's being dragged alongside the Mark Rylance boat, and we don't. It's, it turns out it's Finn, but we don't know that, right? And then another guy who's burning and dying, and yeah, like, in, in the, the water. Oils, and like. but we don't know who that is. It's not someone we've ever met. Or well, we've maybe saw him for a few seconds because he's on another doomed ship. Yeah, it's too much, and it's too confusing. There's too many doomed ships. It doesn't doomed ships. Sorry, um, <laughs> Harry and Finn Whitehead's the first doomed ship. Um, it just doesn't. Or it's more like Finn Whitehead and French guy. Um, um, they're the doomed yeah, ship. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You don't care about anybody. I didn't ship anybody because I don't care enough no. about any of them to ship them. You know, like there's nothing there to hold on to. There's no <laughs> even with Finn and the French guy. You never get a sense that they're connected which is interesting because finn makes this whole speech about it and you're like no i don't feel that <laughs> i don't really well, feel oh, why you're really protecting oh, this guy. i kind of got a sense of camaraderie in that like they both kept each other's secrets yes but it's only like he didn't even know he's, he's so not about no no that- not about being french but about like him stealing the dead guy's boots or the pretending to be stretcher bearers when they weren't like they'd helped each other in situations where if they told they would incriminate the other. Yes. Even though the, the French thing may not have been known. But there's no sense of, like, they like each other. It's just a sense no, of No, it's like a sense of mutually assured destruction if they yeah, don't look after each not, other. What, that, I still don't care. See, I like that because that's the com- like the complexity of being a soldier, especially in a war where these, like, 19-year-old kids being but sent can off do a compl- But you can do, do complexity while still making me care about them. Yeah, I just I thought mean, it was look interesting. Look at Moonlight, where like where you know Kevin yeah. beats up Chiron in the and middle Chiron of the movie, and you still care about both and, yeah. of them. And and you're the best 
part in the whole movie is a drug dealer. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's still complexity. Yeah. It is. It is. It's just different. I know, but that's what I mean. Like, you can do complexity with while still making me care. I just don't – they don't ever give me a reason to care about any of these people. And so why – and whenever they try to, it comes too late in the movie for me to – for the whole movie, I was just switched – like, I was in my head. And you know I don't like that. No, I know you don't. I like being immersed in you a You want movie. to be in your guts. Right, yeah. You want it to – you like affect you in in your heart in your guts like you want to feel the movie and right. which is, it went work which worked on me but not on you and it, this movie really if it's either it's going to work on you or it's not going to work and so I, I said before something about you know I had to work for it as in I had to work for knowing when the when bloody Dunkirk happened and all that kind of stuff but really the movie actually has to work for you yes otherwise it does not work right like and to say that you have to work for it I'm not going to work to try and like people when the movie doesn't give me a reason to. And I was only willing to work for it because I enjoyed it so much. Right. And so therefore yeah. and I, I was like, oh, I'm going to find out more about this. I switched off very early on when I figured out that they weren't going to actually tell us about any of the people. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was almost, I think, on the beach. Actually, no, it, I remember when they were first, when Finn was first on the beach, I was like, oh, and there was a bombing and it was silent yeah, yeah. and everybody just kind of got up and some people were dead. And I'm like, oh, so there's just some people dead and some people alive and there's nobody injured and nobody's, nobody's screaming. screaming. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole rest of the movie never won me back. And that's like five minutes in. Yeah, so. yeah. And I heard you say that and I was like, I don't care that there's nobody screaming. <laughs> it feels real. It's like if I it were traumatized doesn't. by that, I wouldn't know if who was screaming and who wasn't. I'd be too busy worrying about myself because I couldn't hear properly. Yeah, and that's it. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't feel real to me because I don't yeah. know what's – like. And nothing. that's where it lost you and that's where it didn't lose me and it kind of – that's where it ended up. And there's – a heaps of opportunities to win me back it just never did mm. um and we haven't even talked about there's a bunch of other stuff like killian murphy's traumatized oh God, soldier yeah. and things i i don't know it just felt like yeah it was all ciphers it's just like these are the archetypes of people that you might meet at dunkirk and this is the sort of thing that might happen at dunkirk and i'm like i don't care about and they do that all the time in war movies this is an archetype of this type of person and stuff but at least they give you something to care about that individual person mm. um this is like all of that stripped down to its bare bones and it doesn't work for me yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway. Is there anything you want else you want to talk about? Because we've gone over 40 minutes but and I was going to wrap it up. But if there is anything else you want to talk about. I don't know. I think I got the main things. I just don't like – it's been a while since we saw it and I don't care enough about it to mm. to remember thing other things from it. Like it just didn't really – it looks pretty. It really looks pretty. There's a lot of teal and orange. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's very blue um, but it's very pretty. Um, and yeah, that's the sh- shooting on film. It looks better. God, it does. Yeah. It, it, there's no question that shooting on film just looks better, especially now with all of our, um, technological, technological advances combined with the film and it looks amazing. It's just, yeah, it does. But, and it also, um, and I can't remember where we talked about this. If we <laughs> talked about it on the podcast or if we talked about it on radio, but we talked about how younger generations really value authenticity because mm. everything is CG. And so when yeah. you, everything is CG and you can assume anything can be done with CG, yeah. there is a huge premium on seeing something done for real. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Um, and that I think that is important to the current generation. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, like, it's why I, I like as far as much as Christopher Nolan can be annoying and snobbish and get in his own way 
at times, I think it's good that there are people like that who are still holding on to that, those sorts of ideals mm. of practical effects and the use of film and yeah, the use of can. cinema as a medium. Yeah, and look, at, and he is like a white Englishman who was born at the right time to be able to still do that stuff. Um, when he goes on about Netflix, what he ignores is the fact that the, the fact that Netflix gives opportunities to filmmakers who would not otherwise be getting opportunities and to tell stories that would not like no and characters that and, wouldn't yeah, otherwise get that's exactly right so like I, I think he misses that point but at the same time I'm glad he's working and I'm glad he's doing this kind of work but he, he does yeah you know he doesn't he doesn't he, he's a snob right I just remembered that moment when I was when Harry and the two guys were on the beach watching a guy kill himself and I was like wow One Direction really took a dark and twisted turn <laughs> What are we up to? Yeah, no. It's- oh, I, I think I was trying to wrap it up and, and like give marks, but you know. Yeah, I just just saying it looks. Good it does. It looks amazing, and it looks real, and it feels real. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. It does to me. Well, no, it does. It looks real in the sense that like they really did all those things. Mm. But for me, I was looking at it going, "Wow, they really did all these things." Mm. I'm not as watching in, it going as in Christopher Nolan organized for people to really do all these things, as opposed to, oh my god. Tom Hardy really flew that Spitfire. Yes, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because I was thinking, I was just thinking about it too much. I, yeah. I was thinking about how Tom Hardy has to wear a mask or have his voice like altered in every movie <laughs> that he's in and things like that. I was, I was thinking about that the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this bit's good. This bit looks nice. This bit is well done. Yeah, you know, and stuff like that. But I wasn't ever. I don't remember a time when I was ever really immersed in it. Like I was ever really emotionally invested in the scene that was happening. I was always thinking about it. Fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah. So we have gone like 40-something minutes, so I think we should probably wrap it up. So what are you going to give it? I'll give it three stars. And I am revising my mark from the original <laughs> version and giving it four and a half stars. And honestly, I should have given The Beguiled four and a half stars because I really – I put them both on the par. I give it four. I, don't know I gave it I was, four and a half, right? I think, yeah, you gave it four and a half and I gave it four. And I think I might have been cranky or – I think it along. was partly because I was also – we did that third out of three movies and I had given everything really high ratings. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just at the end. But I should have given it four and a half and I'm giving this four and a half because they are my two favourites of the year so far. Um, yeah, so – Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Dunkirk or of some of the other movies that we watch, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Hopefully, eventually. I've not been good at updating lately. I have a puppy, okay. (laughs) And and the puppy is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, And demanding. But has a lot of energy. Um, We'll put a picture up on the Instagram, actually, of Bee because she's very cute. Did you? No, we will, I said. I I promise to, next time I see her, take a photo and put it up on Instagram. Um, And also, if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com, which is unfortunately similarly neglected to the blog at the moment. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. It's also my fault. I have a puppy. Bye.